Chapter twenty three of the Fortunate Foundlings by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter twenty three shows by what means Louisa came to the knowledge of her parents with other occurrences. The first thing she did on her arrival was to send for proper persons to equip her in a manner that she might once more appear herself resolving that till she could do so not to be seen in the streets while these things were preparing she sent a person whom the people of the house recommended to her to the palace of the prince of conti not doubting but that some of the gentlemen belonging to his highness might give some intelligence where monsieur de plessis was to be found but the messenger returned without any other information than that they knew him very well but could give no directions in what part he was at present not having been seen in paris for a long time it is hard to say whether she most rejoiced or grieved at this account she imagined that had he been dead they would not have been ignorant of it therefore concluded him living to her infinite satisfaction but then his absenting himself from the capital of the kingdom and from the presence of a prince who he had so much loved filled her with an adequate disquiet as believing some very ill accident must have been the occasion she dispatched the same person afterwards to all the public places that she heard gentlemen frequented but met not with the least success in her inquiries it would prolong this narrative to a tedious length should i attempt any description of what she felt in this situation or the reflections she made on the odd circumstances of her life the greatness of her spirit and the most perfect resignation to the divine will however made her support even this last and severest trial with fortitude and patience and as soon as she had put herself into a convenient neat garb but plain befitting her condition she went out with a design to take a private lodging where she might live more cheaply than she could at the hotel till providence should throw some person in the way that might recommend her either to work or to teach young ladies music she was wandering through several of the streets of paris without being able as yet to find such a chamber as she wanted when a great shower of rain happening to fall she stood up under the porch of a large house for shelter till it should be over which it was not for a considerable time and the street being very dirty she returned to the hotel intending to renew her search the next day she had not been come in above half an hour before the man of the house told her that a servant in very rich livery who he perceived had followed her and had asked many questions concerning her was now returned and desired to speak with her as du plessis was ever in her thoughts a sudden rush of joy overflowed her heart which seemed to her the presage of seeing him though how he should imagine she was in paris was a mystery but she gave herself not much time for reflection before she ordered the man to be admitted the manner of his approaching her was very respectful but the message he had to deliver seemed of a contrary nature after having asked her if her name was louisa and she answering that it was i come madam said he from a gentleman who saw you stand just now at the gate of a house in the faubourg st germain he commands me to tell you that he has something of moment to acquaint you with and desires you will permit me to call a chair and attend you to his house where he is impatient to receive you 
what indeed could louisa think of a person who should send for her in this manner all the late transport she was in was immediately converted into disdain and vexation at being taken as she had all the reason in the world to suppose for one of those common creatures who prostitute their charms for bread tell your master said she that by whatever accident he has learned my name he is wholly ignorant of the character of the person he has sent you to that i am an entire stranger at paris and he must have mistaken me for some other who perhaps i may have the misfortune to resemble and may be also called as i am at least i am willing to think so as the only excuse can be made for his offering this insult but go continued she with the pride which is natural to the affronted virtue go and convince him of his error and let me hear no more of it it was in vain he assured her that his master was a person of the highest honour and that he was not unknown to her all he could say had not the least effect unless to inflame her more when after asking his name the fellow told her he was forbid to reveal it but that he was confident she would not deny having been acquainted with him when once she saw him i shall neither own the one cried she nor consent to the other then bid him a second time be gone with an air which showed she was not to be prevailed upon to listen to his arguments the man had no sooner left her than she fell into a deep study from which a sudden thought made her immediately start the count de bellefleur came into her head and she was certain it could be no other than that cruel persecutor of her virtue that her ill fate had once more thrown in her way as she knew very well by what he had done that he was of a disposition to scruple nothing for the attainment of his wishes she trembled for the consequences of his discovering where she was the only way she could think on to avoid the dangers she might be exposed to on his account was to draw up a petition to the prince of conti acquainting him that she was the person who was near suffering so much from the ill designs he had on her at padua when so generously referred by m de plessis and to entreat his highness's protection against any attempts he might be safe enough to make she was just sitting down in order to form a remonstrance of this kind when a chariot and six stopping at the door she was informed the gentleman who had sent to her was come in person and that they knew it was the same by the livery louisa run hastily to the window and saw a person alight whom by the bulk and stature she knew could not be the count she so much dreaded this having much the advantage of the other in both somewhat reassured by this sight she ordered the master of the hotel to desire him to walk into a parlour and let him know she would attend him there as she saw not the face of this visitor she could not be certain whether it were not some of those she had been acquainted with at venice who having by accident seen her at paris might according to the freedom of the french nation take the liberty of visiting her but whoever it were or on what score soever brought she thought it best to receive him in a place where in case of any ill usage she might readily have assistance the master of the hotel perceiving her scruples readily did as he was ordered and louisa having desired that he or some of his people would be within call went down to receive this unknown gent though not without emotions which at that moment she knew not how to account for but soon after she was seized with infinitely greater when entering the parlour 
she found it was no other than dorilaeus who had given her this anxiety surprise at the sight of a person whom of all the world she could least have expected in that place made her at first start back and conscious shame for having as she thought so ill rewarded his goodness mixed with a certain awe which she had for no other person but himself occasioned such a trembling as rendered her unable either to retire or move forward to salute him as she otherwise would have done he saw the confusion she was in and willing to give it an immediate relief ran to her and taking her in his arms my dear dear child said he am i so happy to see thee once more oh sir returned she disengaging herself from his embrace and falling at his feet how can i look upon you after having flown from your protection and given you such cause to think me the most ungrateful creature in the world it was heaven answered he that inspired you with that abhorrence of my offers which had you accepted we must both have been eternally undone you are my daughter louisa pursued he my own natural daughter rise then and take a father's blessing all that can be said of astonishment would be far short of what she felt at these words the happiness seemed so great she could not think it real though uttered from a mouth she knew unaccustomed to deceit a hundred times without giving him leave to satisfy her doubts did she cry out my father my father my real father how can it be is there a possibility that louisa owes her being to dorilaeus yes my dear louisa answered he and flatter myself by what i have observed of your disposition you have done nothing since our parting that might prevent my glorying in being the parent of such a child the hurry of spirit she was in prevented her from taking notice of these last words or at least from making any answer to them and she still continued crying out dorilaeus my father good heaven may i believe i am so blessed who then is my mother wherefore have i been so long ignorant of what i was and how is the joyful secret at last revealed all these things you shall be fully informed of answered he in the meantime be satisfied i do not deceive you and am indeed your father transported to find my long-lost child whom i myself knew not was so till i believed her gone for ever a thousand times have i wished both you and horatio were my children but little suspected you were so till after his too eager ambition deprived me of him and my mistaken love drove you to seek a refuge among strangers tears of joy and tenderness now bedewed the faces of both father and daughter silence for some moments succeeded the late acclamations but dorilaeus at length finding her fully convinced she was as happy as he said she was and entirely freed from all those apprehensions which had occasioned her flying from him told her he was settled in paris that he lived just opposite to the house where she had stood up on account of the shower and happening to be at one of his windows immediately knew her that he sent a servant after her who had inquired how long she had been arrived and in what manner she came that he had sent for her with no other intent than to make a trial how she would resent it and was transported to find her answer such as he hoped and had expected from her 
he added that he had all the anxiety of a father to hear by what means she had been supported and the motive which had induced her to travel in the habit of a pilgrim as the master of the hotel had informed his servant but that he would defer his satisfaction till she should be in a place more becoming his daughter on concluding these words he called for the master of the hotel and having defrayed what little expenses she had been at since her coming there took her by the hand and led her to his chariot which soon brought them to a magnificent house and furnished in a manner answerable to the birth and fortune of the owner louisa had all this time seemed like one in a dream she had ever loved dorilaus with a filial affection and to find herself really his daughter to be snatched at once from all those cares which attend penury when accompanied with virtue and an abhorrence of entering into measures inconsistent with the strictest honour to be relieved from every want and in a station which commanded respect and homage was such a surcharge of felicity that she was less able to support than all the fatigues she had gone through surprise and joy made her appear more dull and stupid than she had ever been in her whole life before and dorilaus was obliged to repeat all he had said over and over again to bring her into her usual composedness and enable her to give him the satisfaction he required but as soon as she had by degrees recollected herself she modestly related all that had happened to her from the time she left him the methods by which she endeavoured to earn her bread the insults she was exposed to at mrs c s the way she came acquainted with melanthe the kindness shown her by that lady their travels together the base stratagem made use of by the count de bellefleur to ruin her with that lady the honourable position monsieur de plessis had professed for her the seasonable assistance he had given her in that imminent danger she was in from the count's unlawful designs upon her his placing her afterwards in the monastery the treachery of the abbess the artifice she had been obliged to make use of to get out of the nunnery her pilgrimage in fine concealed no part of her adventures only that which related to the passion she had for du plessis which she endeavoured as much as she could to disguise under the name of gratitude for the obligation he had conferred upon her and admiration of his virtue so different from what she had found in others who had addressed her dorilaus however easily perceived the tenderness by which she was agitated on the account of that young gentleman but would not excite her blushes by taking any notice of it especially as he had found nothing to condemn in it and had observed throughout the course of her whole narrative she had behaved on other occasions with a discretion far above her years he was far from wronging her by suspecting she had swerved from it in this but when he heard the vast journey she had come on foot he was in the utmost amazement at her fortitude and told her he was resolved to keep her pilgrim's habit as a relic to preserve to after ages the memory of an adventure which had really something more marvellous in it than many set down as miracles and now having fully gratified his own curiosity in all he wanted to be informed of he thought proper to case the impatience she was in to know the history of her birth and on what occasion it had been so long concealed which he did in these or the like words End of chapter 23